Hey everybody, welcome to Between the Lions, bi-weekly bite-sized oral history of the ongoing mission by the musical collective known as My Soul Among Lions to put all 150 psalms from the Bible to music. I am Nathan, your humble and obedient host. That's Pastor Phil. Hey. That's Pastor Jake. Hey. And look at this. Lyrics, Jake Menzel, music, Phil Moyer. We've got the principals in the room today, folks, mm. to talk about Behold Your King, which does not, I believe, come from the book of Psalms exactly, although it certainly contains a lot of stuff that is reflective of the Psalms. This song was a commission. It was uh, from a Kickstarter campaign where you got to have a song written about whatever you wanted if you gave a certain amount of money. And a pony up the green. So this song started out as, what was the request? It was basically... Was it a new... I am, am I a soldier of the cross? Yeah, it, was a, it was an, I am, am I a soldier of the cross was basically the request. So that came to me, and I wrote basically, I think, about a third of this song, the final third of what became the song as we have it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, showed it to Jody, and he liked it, but he was like, this really wants to do is be uh, a Christmas song and tell the whole story, which I had already been thinking too, but we had this commission, and it just kind of came out this way, and I'd so I had been thinking more along the lines of, well, what if I wrote like the Christmas version? What if I wrote the Holy Week version? And then I've got the apocalyptic version, which already in hand, and mm-hmm. we'll have like three songs or three movements or whatever. And he was like, no, I think we should just right now go and do the whole thing all as one big epic song. It's like, okay, cool. So that's what I went back and did. And so I had already had a whole bunch of ideas for this. And this song really comes out of probably my most deep-seated and fundamental understanding of who Jesus is that goes way, way, way back. So the inspiration for this song, or at least the lyrics of it for me, go back to college when I came across a, a sermon by Jonathan Edwards called The Excellency of Christ, which I'd found Jonathan Edwards by following the footnotes of John Piper. Um, And you've probably, if you've read Piper, if you've read some people like that, you've probably stumbled across this wonderful Edwardsian phrase. Mm. There is a diverse, or no, there's an admirable conjunction of diverse excellencies in Jesus Christ. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That's from this sermon, which is based on Revelation 5. And it's just the paradoxes of who Jesus is and what sets him apart, even in, in the Godhead. And it's from that passage where John is weeping and one of the elders comes and says, don't weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah is conquered. And John looks and behold, the lamb as it were slain. And so that idea of the lion has conquered, John looks and sees a slain lamb and that those paradoxes of Mm -hmm. the strength and power of the almighty clothed in weak flesh, the, the hands that made us being nailed to the cross, the lips that he formed to praise him spitting on him and mocking him all of that stuff that's what that sermon's a meditation on that and i've never since that sermon stopped meditating mm-hmm. on that i think this song basically it has a proto version of itself out there in a poem that you can find called in bethlehem and so if you if you were to go and find that poem you'd see some of those ideas and images and juxtapositions that's a good poem i remember before my soul among lions was a thing working on that poem with you me and brandon 
giving you some notes of of, of booking fame in Buchetto's Smiling Teeth restaurant, <laughs> yeah. sitting there. I think maybe you wrote that around the time that we were all kind of stretching our muscles poetry wise. It's where we were. It, it's right before we started my soul among lions, and we had been working on other psalm settings and trying to prove ourselves. And this, it was just sort of, it was getting close to Christmas time. And yeah, it was just me trying to, because I had stopped writing poetry for a long time. I think we all had been out of practice. And mm-hmm. so we'd been stretching our wings here and there. And this was, this was that, it was stretching my wings. And the idea of the hay forming a crown, you know, and putting that up against the crown of thorns, that's there. The idea of putting together as poetically as I could the idea of Jesus climbing the tree and eating the fruit of Adam's fall. That's all That's all there, more or less. And a lot of that, I don't want to pretend like there wasn't another real inspiration and a much better poem for how a lot of that came together. In some ways, you could say that this is just an homage to a poem called The Sacrifice by George Herbert. Big George Herbert fan, Jake is. Yeah, I love George Herbert. And this is, the sacrifice is just an extended meditation, very long, much longer. If you think this song is long, this is much longer, and it's just on the atonement. But it is a bunch of, it's just a meditation on the paradoxes. So yeah, go look that up and read it. It's really great. But all of those things are basically the inspiration of what is underneath this song, Behold Your King, at least for me, it's all about the tension and the paradoxes of, of Jesus, who he is, God clothed in flesh, and what he did and what he suffered and what he's coming to do. And now you're off to found a church in Evansville called Church of the King. It's true. So it's kind of like the kingship of Jesus is one of those things that means, means something. something. to me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your theme song. <laughs> so... Anything else to say about the composition of the lyrics? Let's see. I, I mean, I don't think so. I think that there's a lot there that I was trying to do. I put a lot of effort and elbow grease into this one. So you can find some fun developments and parallels and riffs if mm-hmm. you look at it a little harder, a little closer for a minute. It's really great. Great text. And then we had to set it to music. And that was a problem. <laughs> well, that is always a problem when we have a text that's self-evidently great, like this one. Some texts come to life with music. Some texts, you just read them and you're like, this is great. And those are kind of annoying. Because <laughs> it's like, okay, now you have to have music that lives up to it, music that doesn't diminish it, music that... Well, it is a, a paradox in and of itself, right? Because what, you know, and we've talked about this before, yeah. like one of the things that we try to do is we try to make it easy on the songwriting by writing lyrics that hold up on their own no matter what music that you put to it, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the yep. idea is if we can, and we do this in all of our writing, right? Like, whether if we're writing for even a show like like The Ville, mm-hmm. where it's a story show, we want the script to be so good that a performance can be flat and it still works and we don't have to depend on because our actors are all just volunteers, right? We don't have to. We don't want to have to depend on great acting. We want the same thing to be true when we're writing texts for songs. It's yep. not every, you know, Jody and Phil. It's a lot of work to put a song to music, and they're not just always going to have the magic. Mm-hmm. And you don't write a text and say, "Now make this awesome." Mm-hmm. You try to write a text that stands right. so well on its own that even if they flub it or if they don't have 
It's one of my great principles that comes from, I think P.G. Woodhouse said this. He said when he was outlining his books, if he got to the section where he thought, okay, I just need to be brilliant to make that work, that's a bad part of the outline. Mm. A good part of the outline is I could be having a crap day and it still works because this outline is good. It's sturdy. It's It works. The Mm -hmm. weird converse of that, though, Jake, is that you don't want the poetry to be the wrong kind of good because there's a kind of good that doesn't suit itself to music. Right. And so you can write like, like, like we're not going to take a John Donne poem, generally speaking, just (laughs) to take a random example. (laughs) That'd be very hard. He's a genius. (laughs) I love John Donne. I'm team Donne, Jake's team Herbert, but they're both pretty great. And either way, either one of them, they're both great. You you wouldn't. What what we like to say is that Herbert's misses are, uh, much better than Dunn's misses, but mm. Dunn's home runs. Nobody are, had home home runs like yeah, yeah. Dunn. the most impressive home runs of all time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. So we had this text, and it had to be set to music, and I think that's where you come into. This yeah, story. I mean, the text. What you were just saying, the text was really great, but and long and long to add to its greatness. <laughs> <laughs> to add to the <laughs> great in more than one way. And may, yeah, maybe it would be different if, if it were shorter in terms of how well it works with music. But I've I found I think it's it's hard to to live up to the standard of the text, if I may say. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to flatter Jake at all. Something about it made it really challenging. Um, maybe the paradoxes, you know, how do you how do you draw that out in the music? How do you convey those paradoxes? It's like you were saying with another song we were talking about just recently, Psalm 32. Mm-hmm. Oh, the well, the tone is you, you, you took a more joyful tack to it. Yeah, right? exactly. It's got all you kind of have stuff to, about my bones were crushed within me. Right. right. You're kind of making a decision about a path, what you're going down. Well, especially with and, Jake being like the lamb who was slain, who's mm-hmm. the king. It's like, do you capture the littleness or the bigness or the right. you have to have both? Right. And so what I attempted to do is to s- kind of start from the littleness in the music. After the opening, which is kind of big and strong, it, it, it's just a, a long build um, into, you know, triumphant Christ. So that, that was a challenge with this text. When Jody or I, when we write a song, it's pretty much it's on a piano or a guitar. You know, there's, there's that demo and then there's the other demo. <laughs> But we feel that, you know, if we can make it work on a guitar or a piano or something, then it's probably going to work as an arrangement. Right. I really liked what uh, I came up with on just a, an electric guitar, just me singing and, and playing. But then I've, it was a challenge to to really translate it into an arrangement with the band over the course of this song. This song, I've probably invested more time recording it than any song, which is kind of crazy. You don't necessarily hear that in the production of the recording, but it it took a a lot of trial and error. took a lot of takes of me playing the drums and scrapping, and I was telling Nathan before the show that I probably recorded over 50 gigabytes on this song, and I've since deleted a lot of that (laughs) um, so I can have free space, but that's, that's pretty big. I don't know. I just had to try all these different things before I found things that I liked. I really do like how it turned out. Mm-hmm. When Whenever it turns on, Nathan just played it before we got on. And it's just, ah, oh, yeah, I like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's enjoyable, satisfying to listen to. For a song like this, one of the things I was thinking about 
it's so grand and it's about eternal things and you know how do you how do you grab all that and put it in music and over the centuries one way that composers have done that is by what keys they choose i tend to think of of d as a kind of kingly key i didn't use d mm -hmm. but a key that i think of as eternal is the key of c i don't know maybe maybe i'm too influenced by nerdy things is it like, because it's the home key on the piano like it no may, it, i don't know it may be it, it kind of gives you this feeling of rest and there, there are some other major pieces of work out there like stravinsky's symphony of psalms which is actually a piece that got me into the doctoral program at iu that was my audition piece that i chose that's all based on the key of c it's psalms <laughs> ironically <laughs> um but it's it has this kind of feeling of stasis and so that's part of the reason i picked up the guitar and see and i yep. just felt it it worked uh to help convey some of the the message behind the song but yeah it was a it was a real challenge to take this lengthy text to find a structure where it it's not just one big crescendo but there has to be you know some give and take ebb and flow right mm -hmm. throughout the song in order musically speaking what kind of things do you do to build that in it'd be like building to a chorus and then drawing back and it, it it actually takes a long time in this song to get to the chorus because of all that it's doing and all that i want it to do before it gets to that chorus and so it it, it feels like you're going up this hill for quite a while but then you get there and it's mm -hmm. it's it finally opens up and thrusts you to the rest of the song yeah, I I, when I, anytime I'm working, I like to listen to, like if I'm writing or something, I'll listen to Philip Glass. And the thing that I love is he'll just repeat, repeat, mm -hmm. repeat, 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 you know, back and forth thing. Yeah. And then finally, like nine minutes in, it'll change. And mm -hmm. it's so satisfying when yeah. that happens. Funny. I do like Glass, particularly the album Glass Works. Yeah. I have right. that on the record. It's great. Check it out. What kind of things do you get do to get the bigness to get the crescendo i mean without like a full orchestra at your disposal yeah on something like this um is it just electric guitar or yeah usually i think in most commercial albums there's there's all kinds of hidden things going on that you don't even realize even if you think you're hearing a just an acoustic guitar and i don't know something more simple and instrumentation sometimes there's something underneath lying there that you that just kind of becomes a foundation and so with this, this song is stacked on with electric guitars. You don't hear them all. You might hear a couple of them, but there's a bunch of them. And they're, they're underneath. They're playing the same part. Maybe not doubling the main part, but the other parts that mm -hmm. kind of give it some more width. There's synths, some at a low level. Like there's a bass guitar and there might be a synth bass that kind of helps to glue and, and give more support throughout. So those kinds of little tricks to, to help build the beefiness. And you can take those things away when you want to or fade them down mm -hmm. um, to help, help add you know, more character, more bigness when mm. you want to have it. So you know, in something like a chorus, you might add a little more stereo or a little more electric guitar on the sides that are in stereo pair or change the drum groove or add more cymbal, mm -hmm. <laughs> more cowbell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well... I'm advocating for this song to be played at our next uh, church Christmas uh, concert. So, folks, we'll see whether I'm successful or not. 
we shall see. Yeah. You should take some credit for changing some of the lyrics, Phil. Okay, I take some credit. <laughs> I don't remember which ones exactly, but there were a couple that I think I adjusted the chorus a little bit, but not not much. There might have been a word here and there. Yeah, there were just some some word changes that I think I think given the rhythm and melody of the song were real improvements. Hmm. I had worked hard. I had a I had a different rhythm in mind for how this played out. And so everything was very strictly iambic because I had these almost in my mind, each line had its own division and I didn't want that division to hit mid word. And so I, I had some, a couple places that were actually kind of kludgy poetically, but it was all had to do with the rhythm and pacing of how I imagined this being played out. And so once it actually got set, you smoothed out some of those, mm. those places. And I think given the way the song ended up, they were, their improvements. Hmm. Glad to hear that. So. All right. Well, let's listen to the new and improved non-kludgy version <laughs> of Behold Your King. And all is blue. 
If you like this song, it's available to purchase on iTunes, Amazon, wherever you get your music. You can go listen to it on Spotify along with the rest of the My Soul Among Lions catalog. If you want to play it in church this Sunday or in a couple of weeks, go to clearnotesongbook.com. We have all of our songs and lead sheets available to you. And if you want to support this work and you want access to all of our work as it comes out, as it's fresh and new, go to patreon.com forward slash MSAL and support us for as little as a cup of coffee a month.